From the studios of Dracom Multimedia, just outside of Chicagoland, this is the Inside Open Wheel. Hello, everybody. I'm Jeremy Scott. We're going to be talking about St. Petersburg, where we go from here, the stoppage, lots of Road to Indy talk, plus some simulated racing. I can't do this all alone, so joining me this week is the one, the only, Rob Howden, the, the Road to Indy Insider. Almost stumped myself there. And for the Pennzoil IndyCar Radio Network. Rob, great to talk to you, bud. Yeah, Jeremy, great to be here. I know everybody uh, obviously very excited about trying to get more content. They're online. They listen to podcasts. Uh, social media, of course, blowing up. Everybody's talking about, of course, the COVID-19 and the coronavirus, but we want to talk racing. We want to keep our focus on what makes us happy, and racing is one of the things that does that. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, first of all, great to have you on. We've known each other for a decade, and this, I think, is probably we the have. strangest time. You know, I started when the recession was there, so, you know, you had – Few and far between options, you know, yeah, you had F2000, USF2000 at that point. You had, you know, at the time, Star Mazda slash Pro Mazda. They were separate. Now we're all under one umbrella, but we're not even racing. Yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? I think we're all, uh, we're all dying to get back to the racetrack. And especially, maybe if we had a bit of the season started, I think we'd be able to kind of relax a bit. But it's just like it's, we just started getting rolling, kind of, you know, pulled the gun out of the holster and boom. We're, we're done. So I think everybody, that, that was tough. I think with nothing starting, I know the racers all feel that way, Jeremy. They were just at the track. They all got one session, and then we were finished, and they're all just itching to get back behind the wheel. Yeah, so uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next couple of weeks. Nonetheless, if you have anything for us after the podcast, uh, Inside Open Wheel on Facebook at Inside Open Wheel on Twitter. All right, let's kick things off with a uh, wrap-up of St. Petersburg. As you said, everybody had one session. Uh, the only session I was able to listen to was the Indy Lights practice uh, on the uh, Pennzoil IndyCar Radio Network, which, by the way, thank you, Pennzoil, for sponsoring the IndyCar Radio Network. It's going to take some time getting used to, but I think that flows a little bit better than um the previous one i could i could even confirm that uh practice one was uh really quickest and really no surprise here but uh, really the only person surprised by that was the driver himself david malukas uh with a 106.2 and i'll tell you what i've never heard a driver so happy to be leading at the top of practice than uh, david malukas well, I, I think anytime you go to a track like St. Petersburg, it's uh, you never know what you're going to get coming out of the gate, right? You, you hope the setup's going to be good, uh, especially when you start the season again, your first laps around the Concrete Canyon. It, it's tough to see there. It's the level of comfort that allows you to push. And when I talked to David on the, on the IndyCar Radio Network afterwards for the interview and our one and only session of the weekend, he talked about the fact that the first couple laps, he just felt so comfortable in the car that he was able to put it wherever he wants. He said, well, I'll, I'm going to hang this thing out a little bit. Not what norm people normally do in the opening session. Normally, you're just getting comfortable with the car. He got so comfortable so quickly that he says, I was able to get out right close to the wall. I was turning great laps. He was in love with the car itself, love with the team. Um, a lot of changes in the offseason, but he's really, really happy with the, with the atmosphere. Um, I had him on a, an IG Live interview on my Road to Indy Insider uh, Instagram account, and he just talked about how happy he is with the, the atmosphere and the people uh, at the shop and under the tent right now. And, you know, Jeremy, you, you talk to any driver, when they're comfortable with their engineer, it's one thing, and when they're comfortable with the entire team and everybody that's there, man, that's just, it's just such a powerful force in trying to find success on track. Well, and you have a driver, you have teammates in Santi Urtia, who's very well-versed in this current chassis, uh, Saravale, who... I think he's going to be pretty good, but 
I, I, HMD is going to be the team to watch for sure, but driver in second place uh, in practice, the one that I think is going to win the championship, uh, Kyle Kirkwood, 106.3. I think that, you know, Malukas and Kirkwood are going to keep each other honest with uh, Kirkwood having to deal with these championships, both in F2000 and Pro 2000. I think that uh, maybe Kirkwood might be able to get it in his first try here in Indy Lights. Well, you know, if momentum is anything in this sport, and I talk about confidence and momentum a lot, especially in the road to Indy, because the younger drivers, you know, once they do get that confidence and start getting some of that, picking up some speed, some momentum, they, they, you see them win a, a lot more races. When they get that first big win, they break out and get more wins. Uh, Kyle's been on a run since he got here. Obviously, uh, amazing run in USF 2000 to win that championship, won a bunch of races. Had a tough start to the season last year at Indy Pro 2000 with RP Motorsport USA, but he was able to come out of the gate and, and with some issues, but then came back, battled once we got to the other events, you know, when we got to uh, Indianapolis and when we got to, um, when we got to Road America. Uh, he has the momentum coming in. He's getting behind the wheel of Oliver Askew's car with Doug Zister engineering it, uh, so he knows the car's capable. So that gives him confidence in, in the team as well. You know, Kyle's never lacked confidence himself. I think he's definitely one of the championship challengers, but I don't, I don't look, Jeremy, at the, at, the, at the results of the first session and say, hey, these two guys, up, Malukas and Kirkwood are the guys that are going to battle for the championship. Because I think that you throw a guy like Robert McGinnis, who's in his second season, he's a proven winner as well. He, had a, he did so well, came out of the gate and won a race early, and it changed his expectations, which never, I like when expectations get managed throughout the season. I think he put too much pressure on himself. Off season, Robert's going to come back super strong. And I don't think you can count out a couple of veteran drivers in Toby Sowery and Santi Arutius. Santi's been second twice and third once in this championship, and he's a different guy. He's more relaxed than he was those first couple of years. He's with HMD. If you think David Malukas can, can win the championship because he's with HMD, you got to give it to Arutius as well because he's got more experience. Santi's going to be fast. He, he, yeah, he was seventh in the, our lone practice session at St. Petersburg. But we go racing. He's going to be a guy to beat everywhere we go. Rest of the top five, Rasmus Lind in third, fourth, Daniel Frost, fifth, Robert McGinnis, also running out the field, Toby Salary, Santi Urutia, Sarah Valle, Lesoshkin, and uh, Tristan Charpentier. That is interesting. Of course, we know he had kind of a trunicated session. Um, tell me a little bit more about the driver from France. Uh, Tr Tristan doesn't have a, a super deep um, resume. He's, he's done some F4 racing. I believe he did some, uh, uh, some, uh, some F3, I think, too, some British F3. Uh, again, doesn't have a ton of experience that some, maybe some of the other drivers have, but I like him with Andretti right now. I hope he runs the full season. I don't think that – and we'll see what the full season ends up looking like. I, I don't think the plan is to do the full season yet, but he seems like a really super nice kid. I met him uh, trackside. Uh, if he focuses on just learning the racetracks and learning the race car and then comes back in 2021, he'll be in good shape, I think. Yeah, unfortunately, he only logged in uh, four laps and, of course, brought out the only red flag of the session. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, nonetheless, uh, it's a stacked field, I think, this year. Interesting. If you look at it, uh, the only driver who didn't at least get some time in the Indy Pro 2000 category is Sharpontia. Everybody else has come through Indy Pro 2000, which I thought was, was very interesting. And, again, I talked about that, right? Indy Pro 2000 feeding uh, the Indy Lights program. We don't have a lot of drivers coming from, from uh, out, of, out of the country right now. And if, once we start getting that and Indy Pro 2000 continues to feed, we're going to see 14 and 16 and 18 drivers in Indy Lights. I, I love the field right now. It's guys we've watched for the last couple of years. 
and many of them at different parts, you know, of their, of their careers. Uh, it's Santi Arucci, of course, probably one last shot here at Indy Lights to see if he can't win a championship and get to IndyCar. And then you got guys like well, you mentioned, Rasmus Lintz. we got David Malukas, Antonio Saravalli, who has fast-forwarded his way through. He needs to focus again, just like Charpentier, on getting as much track time as possible to learn this race car. One omission from the practice sheets is Junkos Racing. They were not there in Indy Lights. Yeah. What's the latest from Ricardo on this season? Well, that's, that, that was a big thing, right? We had 10 cars, double digits, so a decent start to the season. Uh, and all the, uh, all the connections I had, people, people tweeting me, asking me questions, what are my predictions for Indy Lights a couple of months ago? I always said 12 to 14 cars. And that 12 to 14 was predicated on the uh, obvious fact that we were going to see two cars at Hunkos Racing. And to not see them, and talking to Ricardo, you know, a month out, they were talking to a bunch of people. Ricardo was doing everything he possibly could to put people in his cars. But again, it's a kind of a supply and demand, buyer's market, seller's market, limited. There's limited interest in the, in the program this year. We had 10 guys in the field. I think there was probably 12 looking at, at rides. When you get limited, limited interest, team owners start to play on the other side. It was more of a buyer's market. So I think people were kind of shopping around different prices. And the prices, I think, for some of the rides got low enough that Ricardo said, you know what, I, I can't do it. I'm not, I'm not going to run a car and lose money. It's the next time I got to get at least as much money because I have a staff, everything, everything you have to run a race team. So I think Ricardo probably just said, listen, I, I, we can't do this right now. I have two cars ready to go. I've won two championships. I won a bunch of races last year with Renus VK on route to second in the title chase. What do you do? So probably just a financial move for him, but he's ready to go as soon as the driver wants to come and race. Hopefully we'll see a driver, especially now that, you know, we have a delay. So the season really hasn't won't yeah. start it. So anybody can just say, you know what, I do have the money. I, you know, give it to a championship team. I, you know, I said that, Jeremy, when we were there. I said if there's one takeaway from this whole thing right now is that the season has not yet started. So essentially every team owner has another couple of weeks, months, two months, whatever it is, to continue to try to sell their program to get us back on the racetrack. And in, in talking to the people at Anderson Promotions, they're going to do everything they can to make sure we have the same amount of main events. You know, we've done this before where we've, you know, we've run a triple header at Mid-Ohio. Could we see triple headers? That's a, that's a definite, definite possibility. Could there be a standalone event? That was one of my ideas. You do a standalone event at a, at a, at a club track somewhere. That's another op- option as well. I'll take that. But, yeah, we'll see. We'll see, right? <laughs> you know what? I, I, I will say this. If one does return to the Audubon Country Club, I will do, I'll be there in some capacity. I know that much for, for a fact. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Exactly. Uh, we're talking with Rob Howden, the Road to Indy Insider, and from the Pennzoil IndyCar Radio Network on Inside Open Wheel. Jeremy Scott here. All right, let's move on to Indy Pro 2000. They also had a practice session. Um, Braden uh, Eves, holy cow, half second Yeah. Corey and Corey Enders. Wow. Yeah. Well, so, so this is one of the interesting stories and, I, and a little insider info here for you. I look at, at Braden Eves very similar how, as how I look at Oliver Askew and Kyle Kirkwood. A, a thing we see now, a, a lot nowadays in, in the road to Indy and other forms like F4, drivers are jumping out of junior karting. They're in junior karting and they jump into cars immediately because they think they need to get in early. Where, they didn't get a chance to run senior national-level karting, which is unbelievably competitive. You learn great racecraft, you learn respect, and you learn how to be able to race hard with really, really good drivers who are anywhere between 15 and you know, 22, 23 years of age. When they don't do that and jump into junior, I think they missed that. They missed that opportunity to run senior karting. 
Braden Eves is, is like uh, Kyle Kirkwood and Oliver Askew. These drivers won major championships in the Supercarts USA program in Rock Cup USA. They've represented their countries uh, at Rotax Grand Finals uh, around the world. So I'm not super surprised that Braden's got this kind of composure and this kind of momentum and this kind of focus because he's such a great young driver. He won top-level races uh, in, in Scusa competition. So when he came into to USF 2000, out of the gate so strongly with Kate Motorsports. Here's a kid that really dedicates himself to this. He's incredible when it comes to driver feed or a car feedback, and I'm hearing that from everybody he's worked with. Really good on car feedback, really focused, and he connected with Exclusive Autosport, and I'm telling you, they are dialed in. He is, they're super happy with Braden. Braden's happy with the team. You know what? To be a half a second quicker than the rest of the field uh, he was probably more disappointed than anybody, Jeremy, that we didn't go racing because I think he figured he had two wins in the in the in the in the box for sure. Yeah, that definitely, especially you know with as quick as he is compared to everybody else. Russell Field looks like this. Corey Enders second. Stingray Ra back with Junkos Racing. That's a great story. Uh, third, Lucas Peterson, the rookie of Dubai. Fourth, fifth is Parker Thompson. Uh, Thompson making another start this season in uh, Indy Pro Two Thousand. He's another one that I'm actually kind of surprised isn't up in uh, uh, Indy Lights this year. Well, Parker has no money. Well, that's so let's true. Let's just be real. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, that's the, the, bo- the bottom line is, is Parker has no money. The, 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 he's got no budget whatsoever. He's doing whatever he can. And, and what Parker's done, because he's so good both in and out of the car, he, he's a highly sought-after guy now. And, and just to give you a little background on Parker, why this is happening, of course, he did, he did a, a year with JDC Motorsports when he first got in the, in the USF 2000. Lone driver. Moves to Cape Motorsports. Chance to win the championship. He battles with his teammate, Anthony Martin. A flat tire at mid-Ohio puts him behind the eight ball a bit. Martin ends up winning the championship. Parker's essentially done at that point. But at that year, 2017, Exclusive Autosports decides they're going to jump up into USF 2000. And they essentially bring Parker along. They help support him. They found some support from other areas. Parker became this guy that was, hey, you know what? we got a brand new car. The Tatis USF 17. There's no data on it. Parker, you have two years of experience in this class. Let's go to work. So Parker became the guy who it took a clean, you know, clean sheet of paper, no notes in the notebook, and let's go to work. So he, you know, he ends up in this great battle for the championship with Renus VK, and VK wins the championship. But Parker was able to get some race wins and set, you know, did it again. Well, moved to 2018, exclusive Autosport, Michael Duncalf. I'm moving up again. They bought a PM18. What do we do? We got no notes. Parker Thompson's back in the seat. And again, try to get money from wherever they could to fund this program. So Parker's become this kind of development driver. Well, they go to work. Another battle with Rena's VK for the championship. Actually, was, Oliver Askew won that championship that, that year, pardon me. But so then he sets the, does all the work for that, for exclusive autosport in the PM18. Well, who does he run for last year? Brand new team, Able Motorsports. We have no d- data on our PM18. Let's hire Parker Thompson. Here's a guy that's essentially being hired to drive, to set up, to do setup notes, to be able to, you know, to, to build for the future. Kind of where he is right now with DeForce Racing as well. I think they brought him in because they need that veteran driver to pair with Corey Enders and Moises De La Vera, you know, pair, pair with the team so they can get focused. And with Manuel Suleiman, a rookie driver in the program coming up on USF 2000, Parker has done everything he could to stay in the sport simply right now because of the fact that he's become a great development driver. 
Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see how that happens uh, this next season. Rest of your top ten, Petrov. Uh, Manuel Suleiman sits seventh. Kyle Kaminsky also coming up yep. from uh, USF 2000. He sits eighth. Ninth, Philip Dinez. And here's a good story, too. And tenth, Sabra Cook coming back to the Road to Indy ladder from running the Group W Racing Series. Yeah, Sabra did uh, a number of USF 2000 races with Team Benning a couple of years ago. And it, it kind of put her on the back foot a little bit because I think in talking to her in the off season, she was uh, she said she was kind of thrown into the deep end a little bit over her head uh, to the point where she was just trying to get a handle on the car. Didn't wasn't able to do enough testing. Lucky to be part of the W Series, and that kind of pushed her into you know expanding who she is as a driver, who she is as a, as a person because she was over you know, with all the girls running the W Series different racetracks, learning the tracks, learning the cars, uh, very level playing field, which was great. She ended up finishing 12th in the championship, so she'll be back in the car again this year. She also won a scholarship through Infinity uh, to be able to work with an F1 team last year. She's an unbelievably intelligent young woman, an engineering student, uh, engineering graduate, I believe, now. So she's into the, into the engineering side of motorsports as well and thrilled to see she has a limited schedule to run this year with, with Team Benning again and BN Racing. Uh, I think the experience she keeps getting, I love seeing the fact that she ended up in, in P10. She's a young lady from Grand Junction, Colorado, and uh, I think a lot of people should keep an eye on Sabre Cook because she's just uh, she's the all-around package for sure. Yep, definitely. All right, in 11th, here's a little anomaly. Uh, Lucas Cole in the number three, turn three, motorsport uh, with a 110-0, but he's not going to be the normal driver in the three car this year. Well, Lucas Cole, of course, ran last year with Polarity Auto Racing and Indy Lights. He jumped up from three years in USF 2000, skipping over Indy Pro. That car's with Turn 3 Motorsports with uh, Peter Dempsey, and it was supposed to be Antoine Camot, but right as the, the, you know, the event was kind of rolling in is when everything was happening with the coronavirus, the markets were starting to change. Well, Antoine makes his, li- his living in the stock market, so it was, you know, I think I need to focus on this right now. I'm out. And who do we grab? So they end up getting Lucas Cole. Uh, I think pretty solid, actually. He was back a little bit, a second and a half back. But we're talking about him not getting any seat time. He's never been in that race car. And then at St. Petersburg opening session, where the track's super dirty anyways. You know, they're right after USF 2000, so the track was dirty. I don't really put any 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 power on the times, except for Braden Eve smoking everybody. Yeah. <laughs> because the track was so dirty. Everybody get the feel for the racetrack. But you know what? Hey, if we can see Lucas Cole back more this year, I would love it. Lucas is a great young man. Um, he had told me he didn't have the budget. They were looking at potentially doing some sports car racing this year. You never know. We may see him back in a an IP, uh, Indy Pro 2000 car before the year's out. Now, can you see him pairing up with um, Antoine in the turn, in turn three motorsport as a two-car operation? Obviously, it'd be a little bit of a stretch for Peter Dempsey, but if anybody can do it, I think that small operation out of Chicago can do it. Well, it depends. Yeah, I don't I don't know that they have a second car. That if they have one or not, there's, I know there's cars out there they could probably leave one if they want doing this program as a one car effort is very tough and that's i don't care if it's usf 2000 indy pro or any lights a one car team is behind the eight ball when it comes to a two three or a four car team there's just not enough data coming in especially not even any comparative data at all you know three cars is better than two cars one car is really tough so if if lucas liked the experience and could potentially find some funding in a shorter schedule that we may have near the end of this year yeah, I don't. I, I wouldn't think that a two-car team at turn three would surprise me at all, to be honest with you. All right, rounding out the field, uh, Delavera at in twelfth, uh, McCul- 
I'm losing my mind. <laughs> McElroy in 13th of Charles Finelli didn't even log a time there in that final session. I, were, were the Fat Boy Boys on uh, on property? They were there. I, I, I actually never found out exactly what happened. I don't. I don't know. Maybe Charles just elected not to go out at that point. Maybe he knew. Maybe he knew more. Kind of coming down the pipe. Um, I don't know that they even presented themselves to the grid or not uh, at that point. So I, I was, I was locked away in a in a trailer, uh, essentially calling the session on the IndyCar or the uh, the, uh, the Road Indy TV app off my laptop. Couldn't see anything but live timing because there was no cameras in I've, the morning either. So I, I've done that almost my whole career. So I feel yeah. for you. I was in the dark for that one. Rob Howden from the Pennzoil IndyCar Radio Network and the voice of the Road to Indy series on your PA and with Indy Lights on the Pennzoil IndyCar Radio Network. Joining me, Jeremy Scott, on Inside Open Wheel. We're dissecting what happened at uh, St. Petersburg. Let's do a quick recap of uh, the USF 2000 session and uh, Barrichello on top of the charts, although it's Eduardo Barrichello for Paps Racing. Yeah, uh, the cool thing about, the, if you look at the top, uh, and same thing goes with the Indy Pro 2000, there was four different teams in the top five in Indy Pro 2000. Braden Eves with exclusive autosport, Corey Enders a, and Parker Thompson second and fifth with, with uh, D-Force Racing, Stingray Rob with Hunkos Racing, and Lucas Peterson uh, with RP Motorsport USA, the team that won the championship last year. Same goes with, uh, with USF 2000, right? Eduardo Barrichello. Uh, running for Paps Racing this year. I think Eduardo's going to be real strong. He's done a lot of off-season karting and a lot of off-season testing. Christian Rasmussen, one of the drivers I expect to challenge for the championship. He was a two-time winner last year with Jay Howard Driver Development. You got Michael Orlando and Reese Gold for Kate Mo- championships. So there's definitely an opportunity for one of their four drivers to, uh, to win the title. And then Christian Brooks, another kid uh, very similar to Askew, Kirkwood, and Eves, who is still... Uh, Christian Brooks, who runs for Exclusive Autosport, um, a young uh, a Californian who Jeremy still on my website, eCardyNews.com, is still the number three ranked driver in single speed karting. He still continues to run all the big events. He's ranked number three in the country. He's going to very similar in terms of the, like not so much the style, but the, the ability to, to run top level national karting and, and just the race crap that he brings from that. Christian Brooks. I think he's going to be a dark horse for a championship this year. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, especially if he keeps up all the karting because that's really going to help him out, especially with this uh, USF 2000 field. Uh, rounding out your top ten, Matt Ron-Garardo is uh, sixth. Uveen Sundamurthy, seventh. Kiko Porto, the rookie out of Brazil for DE Force Racing, eighth. Christian Bogle, ninth. Nolan Siegel, tenth. There were 21 cars that entered into practice. Yeah. That's a stack field for F2000. I haven't seen that that many cars is since we had two classes there. Well, it's been a couple of years since we've been over 20 uh, at the start of the season. But it, again, that, we always spec between 20 and 24 cars. You know, we end up dropping to 18 sometimes yep. near the end of the season after, after drivers drop out. But no, it's it's a really good cross section of drivers kind of coming back. We only have a couple of drivers who did the full season last year. We've got guys that have did partial seasons. We've got rookies coming in as well. We've got some guys coming back from a couple of years ago. Uh, it's, it's exciting. We always look at USF 2000, right? Because it's, that, that, it's, that, it's the bottom of the pyramid. And it's nice to have 20 to 24 cars. They're all so young. And the amount they change from the first race to the last race of the season, is, it always blows my mind. And it's the question I always ask in the offseason. How much different are you now than you were before that first session, St. Petersburg, and the, and the look on their face, they always get this little kind of 
little smile, little grin, and they think back, man, I was, I was so raw, I was so green. And that's just one year, right? And not even one year, to be honest, from the, you know, uh, what, early March yeah. to the end of September. Like, we're, we're literally talking about six months. It's amazing. All right, before we leave the road to Indy, what are you hearing, you know, in the paddock about maybe some drivers who didn't get a chance to get a seat for St. Petersburg? To be honest, not a lot of scuttlebutt right now about uh, about about that at all. I, I don't know that that many of the teams are, are digging that hard at it. I, I, haven't, I haven't really put a lot of feelers out in terms of, hey, is there anybody else potentially coming in? There may be. Like I say, when we get a change like this, I don't know what happens if we get, we're able to go racing again, but we aren't able to do um, any more international travel for it. it, it it's, this uh, this coronavirus and what's happening with with the lockdown and you know and and quarantine self isolation the whole deal, it, it's really going to change the way I think things happen with this season. I think most people believe you know one month two months out this thing could be contained to a certain extent we can go racing again. It's gonna it's just gonna it's gonna compact the season, and and we'll see maybe some drivers who could potentially have been looking elsewhere overseas whatever it may be maybe they'll stay home and and try to focus a, a program here at home. We may see some American drivers uh, come out of the woodwork as opposed to seeing any European drivers come over here. All right, IndyCar was the only one that didn't get a chance to get on track. Um, did, you sure. talk to, did you talk to anybody in the IndyCar paddock? Uh, to be honest, I didn't talk to anybody in the IndyCar. Well, no, hold on, let's, let's be real. <laughs> we did a, uh, a charity race, okay, yes. Cards for Kids event on on wednesday night and there was a bunch of guys there i talked briefly with you know scott dixon zach beach and and oliver askew and and joseph newgarden but they were you know they were more relaxed when we do an event like that i'm not there to push them on what's going on i know i've known most of these guys for other than scott i've known joseph and and oliver and zach and these guys for you know 10 plus years back into their karting days so yeah we chatted a bit about life hey how you doing this is crazy we're fist bumping you know we're not shaking hands whatever it may be People are pulling the new helmets out. We're chatting about new helmets. Chris Wheeler was there, you know, talking about all the Bell helmets and what it may be. I didn't really push anybody on anything, to be honest. And it was, I think it was just surreal. Here's Obviously, some, you know, the, the cars were all locked and loaded. It was weird. Here's something you need to ask. And um, this this is for Zach Veach for later on when you see him again. Ask him about the time his dad threw him in a um, Swift 016 Formula Atlantic. I will. How old was he? Was, oh. he, already in, was, he, was he in USF 2000 yet? This was the season before USF 2000. This was probably... I think I heard about that. Late 2009, early 2010, right around when Atlantics were still, you know, the the, the old champ car Atlantics. Oh, I know exactly the car you're talking about. Yep, yep. yep yeah, yep. great car. Oh, it's a fantastic car. I, you know, every once in a while I'll have to stop and stare every time somebody, you know, rolls one out or starts one up. It's like, oh. <laughs> they are good. They are, they are cool. And a lot of guys, hey, a lot of guys that we talk about Worked their way through it. Yep. Ralph Amato's uh, Hinchcliffe. Hell, um, uh, Graham Rahal won the SCCA runoffs and won at Mid-Ohio. I yep. was there for that, too. Yep. I uh, remember that uh, Tonus, our buddy Tonus Kazimitz, finished second. The yeah. I think it was the year before they they came out with the new chassis. Well, you know, you, you look back at a lot of the teams that were there. I, that, honestly, that was my first the first opportunity I ever had to announce a Cooper Tire race. And Chris Pantani from Cooper Tires was there. Um I got hired to announce the uh, announce the race and the the intros and everything for the for the Cooper Tires uh, Atlantic Championship. Uh, I, I want to say it was 2006, I think. Uh, Simone Di Silvestro was in the field. Oh. Justin Bomarito was in the field. 
Yeah, it was a lot of fun. But that was the first time I ever worked with Cooper Tires was with Atlantic Champions. I was, I was actually announcing for Formula BMW USA that weekend. Formula BMW USA. Wow, that's a lot. There's a lot of names right there. I can remember. Right. No kidding. My, wow. my fir- yeah, my first pro weekend, I actually w- was uh, the old ALMS weekend, uh, the Generate Grand Prix. I got hired to do uh, hired to do that back in 2011, and that was the only session I didn't call was the uh, FBMWs. I remember that. All right. Rob Howden. I joined- apologize. I apologize. <laughs> I probably stole that away from you. <laughs> you know what? That's not a big deal. Not a big deal. Rob Howden joins me, the Road to Indy Insider and Pennzoil IndyCar Radio Network pit reporter. Uh, this weekend is going to be a big weekend for IndyCar sim racing. Saturday, you're going to have an IndyCar, IndyCar quote unquote sanctioned sim race. And then Sunday, you and a couple friends of ours, uh, Jake Query and Nick Yeoman, who was supposed to be on with us, we'll get him on later. Trust me, it's a lot of fun when Nick's on, um, are going to be calling a race, sim race, at the WWT Raceway. Yeah, I, I'm a rookie at this. I, I've announced a lot of different races, carts, cars, you name it, stock car races, whatever it may be. Uh, I've never had a chance to announce one on iRacing, and it's, this is going to be really cool. They're doing a, a throwback 500 uh, at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Uh, Chris Blair is an awesome Blair put this thing together. There's a bunch of pros that have come on board. Oliver Askew, uh, Pato Award, Colton Hurd, I believe, Dalton Kellett, uh, a number of drivers from the Road to India will be involved in it as well, and they'll be racing against other you know regular sim racers. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. It, that, that's on Sunday. Uh, to be honest, there's actually more news coming out because I believe, I think we're, it, everything's coming together very quickly, but the Road to Indy is actually doing a, a sim racing series as well. I think we're racing on Saturday afternoon. Uh, more information on that. They're putting the drivers together, getting that deal done. And that, I think they're trying to make it kind of a support race before the IndyCar iRace. So it's, it's, a, it's a ton happening right now for sure. Obviously, all so much excitement based off, not so much off it, but people are trying to get into the iRacing program, similar to the, you know, the, the NASCAR race that, that they held uh, online from, from Homestead, which I thought was a lot of fun to watch. I, I watched a bit of that. A lot of wrecks, a lot of guys that probably weren't very good sim racers. Jimmy Johnson being one of them. Um, <laughs> but the last couple laps, the last couple laps were fun to watch. Yeah, those were uh, some fantastic laps. Yeah, it was interesting because my buddy goes to me, so I think I'm going to try this. And then watches it, sees everybody crash. Yeah, it's not going to happen. But no, this yeah. this is great that we're one of the few few sports that can take a situation like this and go. Well, I'll just go digital. You know, hey, that's fine. It is really inter- interesting, isn't it? That, that we're really the only one that, that transitions right over so that it looks exactly the same. And, uh, and I, I thought NASCAR and the NBC Sports guys did a tremendous job. Of course, you know, they've got Mike Joy and Jeff Gordon doing the whole deal. Personally, Clint Boyer, my favorite part of the entire broadcast. I think, I think Clint Boyer's a badass. I, I loved his commentary uh, for being in the car. But uh, you know what? Those, I, I guarantee you there's a, they're going to do more races. I guarantee you all those drivers are are practicing like hell right now to make sure they don't make an ass of themselves next time. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And I like how everybody's like, well, why is Jimmy Johnson laying back? He goes, I was practicing for my test that I was supposed to have in a couple weeks. That I think that's going to be a story later on down the road. I think Jimmy Johnson's going to surprise a lot of folks in that uh, IndyCar. Well, you know, the funny thing was, and I I saw somebody, there was a couple of posts I saw that I thought were very interesting. And and one was, you know, I even posted that up there. Hey, it's a fixed setup race for the cup guys. uh, Or they're not all cup guys, obviously, but a fixed setup race for the NASCAR guys. They're all in the same cars. Yes, they're all in the same cars. But then you start seeing pictures and whatever it may be of people's actual sim rigs. 
And one of the comments, I think Bruce Martin made it with the fact in NASCAR, money still wins. Yep. Because, of course, Denny Hamlin's got this amazing rig, right? I actually qu- clicked over really quickly to Garrett Smithley's Twitch channel. So I'm watching Garrett driving. He's in a, he, a much different rig, but he knows what he's doing, obviously. And he's got a spotter in his ear. Some of the drivers didn't have spotters. You know, there's, there's the people that don't understand how to completely leverage iRacing. They were definitely behind the eight ball a little bit for sure. Well, and of course, a friend of mine, Ryan Eversley, who hosts the Dinner with Racers podcast, they had yep. a, they had a twelve hour race on Saturday, and our friend uh, Ryan Marine was actually spotting and racing in that. So that, in, that. yeah, that in and of itself is pretty cool. Kind of. Hopefully he didn't take his uh, spec Miata, you know, head into it and kind of decided to bump draft everybody. I, I watched a little uh, of that uh, too, so. I watched a little, little bit of that. Um, honestly, my, my uh, I have a race show myself. I, I had an issue with my PC. I just got it repaired. I'm picking it up this afternoon and hopefully get myself back online because I haven't done any racing in a while. And I'd, I'd love to do a little bit of it. But, uh, no, I, again, we're all just looking for ways to, to, to consume our, our sport, right? Our passion for racing. And if right now, if it's online, let's do it. Whatever it may be. And I love the fact that the pros are getting on and making it fun because for the most part, a lot of what we do, it, it's passion, it's motorsports, but it's entertainment, right? And right. Let's, let's, let's get the pros out there. Let's, let's entertain all these race fans. And I love the fact that IndyCar's picking different tracks and ask, action, asking fans to weigh in on what track they want guys to drive on. I love it. I think it's tremendous. Yeah. You know, here's the thing, too, that kind of surprised me a little bit. The IndyCar's doing this bracket style. For all the fans that wanted to see IndyCar back at the Milwaukee Mile, I'm kind of surprised that it got beat out by California. I am. I was completely surprised by that. The minute I saw Milwaukee Mile on there, I'm like, it's a done deal. We're going to Milwaukee for sure. That'll be cool. That'll be cool. But it didn't happen. Maybe Maybe it'll go back in another bracket later on. We'll see. All right. So... Before we go, we're going to try and get some fans' questions at the end as well. Uh, the one that we did get is from Elaine Sinclair at AtlantaCat99. says, it seems we rarely get to know much about our hosts and presenters because they're always so busy talking about others. So aside from media activities, what do you do in your spare time besides host podcasts? Talk about that in a second. Can you give us a little Rob Howden insider? All right. Uh, well, listen, if anybody follow, obviously I have my RTI, uh, you know, inside of my Rodini Insider channels on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But if you follow my personal one, uh, I, I love to cook. I, I absolutely love cooking. So, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a burger guy. I'm a pizza guy. I love making paellas for my friends. I love cooking for my friends. So I've been doing a ton of cooking. Uh, like so many people, I'm trying to see if I can't learn how to make bread, whatever it may be. Um, but no, I, that's, one of my big things is, is I, I absolutely love to cook. That's my jam. After we get off the phone with this, I'm going to send you, I don't do this to many people, but I'm going to send you my family recipe for, for beer bread. It is phenomenal. Bring it. Oh, that's fantastic. You, you'll, you'll get right. it. Trust me. It's, it's not hard. Even I can do it. Um, and the, and, the, and, I, and I, like, I like beer too. So that's, <laughs> this is all going good. I know. I actually, I'm, go ahead. Sorry. I, I just because I'm very thankful that all my local craft breweries here in my hometown are now delivering. So because I'm not going outside, but, <laughs> but they're delivering they're delivering beer, which makes me very happy. I, I know we got a couple craft breweries around my place that have it. I'm lucky too that uh, Goose Island, our big local brewery, has a 98 calorie IPA, so that's been helping me. Um, there you and, go. And for those asking me, you know, I'm a weightlifter. I like to ride. I like to grill. I actually started smoking uh, one of the uh, not smoking, smoking, but smoking on the grill. Uh, one, yeah. one of the meteorologists 
that I work with over at uh, WGN TV, he's an avid smoker. So I've been kind of consulting with him and, you know, he's been giving me tips. So hopefully once this weather breaks, I can go ahead and start smoking some meats uh, on the grill. So Well, I, I've, t- I've told everybody in the building that I'm at, because we're all, obviously we're all on lockdown. I live in a building with, uh, I want to say, 27 units, I think. Uh, um, and I've said that the minute we're done, <laughs> the minute we're finished and this thing's over with, it's a parking lot party. I'm doing smash burgers for everybody. We're getting back to real life, and uh, I, just, I can't wait for that to happen. Yeah, I can't wait for that to happen either. All right, so that that does it for today's show. Rob, where can people follow you? You talked a little bit about it, but where can people follow you? What's up next for the uh, RTI Insider account? Yeah, on both uh, on both Facebook and my new account now on, on Instagram, uh, it's Road to Indie Insider. On Twitter, it's RTI underscore Insider, so follow all those accounts. Uh, one of the things I'm doing right now where I'm primarily focusing on, on Instagram, we're doing live, like 20, 20 25 minute interviews, chats with the drivers, uh, Wednesday, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm hitting six o'clock. We're probably going to have to do a couple, like maybe noon hour shows because there's a number of drivers who are, are back in, in England right now uh, that I, that I want to make sure I talk to as well. And they're of course six, seven, eight hours ahead of us. So that'll be a little different. Uh, so I'm doing these interviews. I've uh, had one with Braden Eves already, David Malukas. Uh, Colin Kaminsky was last night. I've got uh, Josh Green lined up for um, uh, for tomorrow. We also I got Toby Sowery coming on pretty soon as well. I think we're gonna get a hold of either Parker Thompson or uh, Corey Enders for one coming up. I'm gonna try to go through every driver on the road to Indy. Well, uh, however long this thing goes for, I'm gonna keep chat with these guys. That's Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and uh, I'm gonna dig back into the road to Indy. Uh, photo archive uh, over the next little while too. If on my Twitter account and probably on my uh, my Facebook account too. Uh, look for some um, look for some old pics. I just I, I posted one from Zach Beach from Mil- the Milwaukee Mile 2011 when he ran with Andretti Autosports. So uh, that's a pretty cool deal. But yeah, uh, the IG live stuff it goes on my story for 24 hours after I'm done. You can join us live at six o'clock on those days. I am going to try to figure out how to put it over on Facebook as well, so I at least have a place to live for a while. Fantastic, Rob. Thank you very much for joining us, and uh, we'll definitely uh, have you on down the road. That does it for Inside Open Wheel. want to let you know a little bit of note about the show. Until racing gets back underway, we're going to do something that I wanted to start in the offseason. We're going to do the Legends of Open Wheel, so definitely stay tuned to this. We'll get interviews, and we'll throw them up as needed. Uh, we're going to also have a wrap-up of both all sim races here over the weekend. So until then, I'm Jeremy Scott with Rob Howden. Take care, everybody.